It's time now for the Jack Michael Show on 740 The Fan and 740thefan.com. To phone in, call 237-3767, 1-888-458-6926, or you can text short code to 35270. He does not have Texas in his rearview mirror yet. He will in a few days. And out of control. Lost to James Dean and rock and roll. I knew down deep. I don't think you've ever had Max Davis in your uh, in your show, Jack. But uh, we figured today. I love it. I think I just had an omelet with Mac Davis in the restaurant next door. Did you go to the waffle? Did you go to the waffle house or? Uh... <laughs> We have a, last year we stayed at this uh, hotel called the Liberty, which is a nice old scenic uh, hotel, as you may recall, downtown Cleburne. But they, the restaurant next door, it was just a building a year ago, and now they've turned it into a full-fledged, really, destination eatery, which uh, everybody in the greater area comes to eat at it. It's really, it's one of those where the portions are are amplified like something the Coneheads would eat on Saturday Night Live, like massive quantities, <laughs> massive quantities. But so I just got back from there, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm about ready for a nap after an I, omelet uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning. See, the time I went a few years ago, that was the first year that the franchise was in uh, it was in existence down there. Yes. We stayed in El Varedo. We did not stay in Cleburne. Uh, we took the, yeah. I think it was about a 14-mile uh, bus ride back and forth. Uh, between games, and I think our options in Alvarado were. I know there was a Waffle House. Uh, there was a Whataburger because I ate there one night. Um, yeah, I think there was a decent steakhouse, and I'm trying to recall the other ones. But uh, I, I remember going to a uh, going to um, uh, going to Whataburger. That's the one. That's the one drawback here. There are no. There's not many Whataburger unless you've got your own wheels. There's no Whataburger that I've been able to get to, and I. I mean that's that's almost sacrilegious. You can't come to Texas and not have a Whataburger, right? That's, Correct. That's, yes. Uh, yeah, that's that's tough. Be not as tough as the game was last night. But the, Ooh, that between was, the uh... Twins and the Red Hawks, I don't know what I'm, <laughs> what I'm more depressed about after yesterday's game. Yeah, boy, that's uh, that's a, that was a bad loss for the boys last night. Six two, and uh, the the Rotors come back and uh, and uh, and uh, walk off bases loaded, walk in the ninth. That was tough, but I. Uh, I think from the entire body of work, I think the Red Hawks are uh, they're uh, in a little better uh, shape than the Minnesota Twins. I think the manager is finally uh, finally cracked after that uh, dismal showing against a really good Braves team, but still that was uh, a very dismal showing over three days. Yeah, and I thought I caught you a little bit on our sister station today, and you nailed it. I mean, you can't just judge this between the Twins and the Braves because the Braves are are obviously just you know hit the most home runs. They they're just a a good club, mm-hmm. uh, period. You know, in, in Minnesota, but uh, this this is going to be the year of the K. Uh, I think when we look back, the year of the strikeout for the the Twins. And you're right, Rocco sounded like after his post game, just like I've had enough. It, this is it. It just seems like systematically this team. I think I caught if I could if I listened in between the lines, Brad. It was basically like. How can you guys that have put up, you know, these numbers before that, uh, you know, all of a sudden one fell swoop, everybody just kind of fall into this zone of non-contact and strike. I mean, I could, I could feel the frustration of Rocco yesterday in the postgame. Yeah, let's, uh, let's hear some comments right now. This is uh, one, uh, one of many. When we have guys that have shown either for, for periods of time or, or for their whole careers to be productive players, to be falling, you know, flat as a group right now, we demand more of ourselves than what we're doing right now. That's every single person in uniform out on the field right now. And uh, we owe it to ourselves. We owe it to the organization. We owe it to our fans. We owe it to everyone to give more than what we're given at the moment. Yep, that pretty much sums it up right there. And uh, I don't know if if, if, if if another city and another road trip uh, is 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 the cure on that, and and then going to Baltimore against a pretty good Orioles team, and and turn that around, and then get back home, and and have a feel good as we close into the All Star break. I don't know, but what are they now, Brad? Two games under five hundred. Yes, and, and uh, Cleveland yeah. has uh, Cleveland has passed them now in the uh, always humorous uh, AL Central. Uh, but 
he said they they did just enough. You'd get frustrated enough, and there's no better example. They um, they lost three of four of home to the Tigers. They lose the first two to the Red Sox. You think, okay, this this is where they've they've hit the wall here. There something's going to happen, you know. And they come back. They won a couple of game against, games against the Red Sox. Won two of three in Detroit. Oh, we're back. We're back. Okay, we're we're swinging things back. You know, it's just like a just like a stock trending upward again. <laughs> right, and then right. three in Atlanta, and then boy, we just feel like we've hit. And, and I don't know. Is, is there going to be some roster shakeup? Is there going to? Because there's there's some dead weight in the 26 man roster right now. You could clean out if if you, if you really wanted to. Uh, will they make some moves? Uh, will there be some, you know, is, is, I don't know. I guess we're getting close to the all-star break at one point. I mean, yeah, they're, they're all angry and, you know, and PO'd about this, but what are you going to do about it? Yeah, it's, uh, in fact, uh, you know, you know the, I think Rocco almost in part of that was, was going to recite the definition of insanity. He <laughs> right. was doing the same, same thing, thing over and over, and over again right. and ex- expecting different results. And, and it's almost like, is he going to break down that insanity definition right here? I don't know. Yeah, it's, yeah it is. It's, it's, it's akin to, you know, you have a, say you have a child that just is, is uh, that gives you grief six days out of the week or five just with various malfeasance and getting in trouble and, you know, maybe, maybe graffiti the neighbor's house and, stepped on the neighbor's dog and got in trouble in school and you're just you know what and then on, on Saturday bring, brings your you know brings you flowers you know and, and says I love you and breakfast in bed going oh how can I hate him he's my kid I still love him it's like the twins are like that for us you know you're still going to be your team but man you just wish the performance uh, was a little bit bit better but you're right I don't know what the, the shakeup is uh, Justin Gard will join us at at uh, 20 today uh, we'll maybe discuss a little that and and how we survived the Taylor Swift concert, by the way. I think he took the family to T Swift. So we'll talk with Garzi about that. I I don't know. Well, did, he, me, did he make his mortgage payment this month then? And uh, <laughs> ooh, yikes. Is, is he yeah, is he hitchhiking to K Fan Studios? <laughs> is he taking public uh, transportation for a month now? I'm curious what the uh, the cost was myself. I don't know. You know, so you look at, at Minnesota, and, and even more so than the, than the strikeouts. I mean, that really is the, uh, the 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 crux right now. Is they're just not, you know, making contact when contact is needed. Uh, but last night, and again, this doesn't happen often for the Red Hawks. But if, I'm sure Chris Coast, even right now, as much as he's good at putting games behind him and moving on, uh, he's really good at that. But that one last night is one you wear. Uh, you mentioned it. The Red Hawks went up six to two with a four-run seventh inning, uh, which was terrific because Cleburne have big arms in the bolt. They've got a right-hander, Brad, named Joe Corbett, mm-hmm. who was in Round Rock earlier. He's a double-A guy, and he wasn't released because of injury or anything. When he, and and I, right now I think the Red Sox are pretty much pursuing him, so we'll see how long. But their back end of their bullpen is is extremely uh, Nick Gardewine uh, is a former big leaguer for the Rangers. He's their closer. So the back end of this bullpen – and they've got a lefty named Austin Fairchild. So usually it goes Fairchild into Corbett, into Gardewine, and that's how Cleburne just sews you up. There's just no getting around these guys. Well, Fairchild comes in, and the Red Hawks put four runs up on him and send nine to the plate. When that happened, I thought, this one's probably done because the Hawks be able to, you know, get six outs without getting a four run. Uh, they bring Joe Corbett in, and Corbett this year is a reliever, Brad. At one time this season, he had struck out 13 consecutive batters in his relief appearances. He's pitched like 21 innings and has 40-some strikeouts. It's just insane. So the Red Sox didn't touch him. Uh, they got a guy out against Gardewine, but here's what hurts. Defensively, Fargo-Moore had the last two innings last night, had six walks and a hit batsman, and gave up two big hits. One was a homer, one was a double. And then the game ends on a bases loaded walk. And so when we say that that's one that you kind of wear because literally you're going to look back and go, we literally kind of gave that one away. Those are the, I don't know which, that's why I started today going, I don't know which is tougher to stomach, you know, the twins and punching out and not being, you know, good against the Braves yesterday or the way the Red Hawks lost is one you just, we got back to the hotel and you're still like, you want to go back and replay the eighth and ninth innings. It's one of those, but you can't. Right. 
Um, I was just going to say too. Have they with when Burlingmeyer left and now they and Coaster's come kind of trying to piece this all together? Uh, you know, obviously with the, the some of the roster issues, although well, Scott is back and DHing a little bit, but no Silviano. And but uh, have they really replaced Reed Burlingmeyer in the back end of that uh, of the bullpen? I, I I don't. I think it's it's a coin toss between Alex Dubord, who had twenty three saves last mm-hmm. year, but Doobie's coming off you know an injured list, so he's trying to get back to full strength and 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 muscle and all that put weight on and 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 we're seeing that he threw a, a, a scoreless inning last night and then reza Leazes, uh is really a solid pitcher who got the save two nights ago so i think it's kind of a a feel between the two of them when that happens and um other than that there's just you know they've got guys that are young that that are waiting to prove themselves but you nailed it, it it's one of those things where if you had, uh, you know, Alex back to his old self, he could chew up an inning or two. Obviously, if he had a Burlingmeyer, could shut it down in Eliezer's. But right now, you're kind of thin in in pitching, so you're kind of hoping that the starters do what they do. And Grower was great last night. So the, you know, and Dykoff was superb the night before. So yeah, that's that's again. You'd think you'd be able to go there and get get six outs uh, from some of your arms and. I felt terrible for Tanner Riley. Riley, who's from Clyde, Texas, Brad, and his grandma Lala. Yeah, that's her name, Grandma Lala. Lala or Lala? She listens religiously, right, to the broadcast, and she's she's one of these animated. I don't know how your folks were when they cheer you on or whatever, but I I see before the game Tanner in in a, in a deep embrace with this older woman, a grandmother type. I'm like, that must be Grandma Lala. So during the course when Tanner comes in, you know. Uh, she went from sitting back in her chair, like in a comfortable spot watching a game, to immediately sitting on the edge of her front of her seat with her face almost up against the screen behind the, by the backstop. She's in the first row. And, and, and Tanner gets an out. So now she's back in the back of her seat feeling comfortable. If one could read body language, and then he gave up a walk and another walk, and then he gave up a home run to Hill Alexander, one of the big hitters for Cleburne, and I look down to see Grandma Lala, and she's out of the seat. She literally has now moved all the way to an aisle, standing in a row, and I thought, that's that's a parent or grandparent right there that is just, I'm with her on the whole thing. So <laughs> it, I thought it was just awesome. Like, she's chewing her nails. I'm like, that's a fan. I'm, when Tanner says she doesn't miss an inning, now I get it. She probably doesn't miss an inning. So yeah, no it was a tough night for Tanner last night. Yeah, but you know what? Tonight's a new night. Well, and you're you're playing six of them, so I mean, you can get out of there. You're, you're hoping <laughs> yeah. for a split, and, and Cleburne's got a got a nice club too. They're battling, battling with Milwaukee at the top of the uh, top of their division too. And um, so, yeah, if you can get out of there and with a split, if you could sneak four in there, that would be uh, that would be definitely uh, definitely uh, definitely take that. That's for sure. Uh, a couple of notes here: uh, the NHL draft, the second through seventh rounds going on today. Cole Canuble, of course, has had a Outstanding career last couple of years with the Force, drafted in the fourth round by the Philadelphia Flyers. So a yeah, nice, nice. Uh, nice move there. And uh, his uh, dad, Mike Canoodle, played for the Flyers. So that'll uh, be fun to see if Cole can make his way as he goes to college at uh, Notre Dame now. Another interesting story, and we're going to visit with Ron Counts. I had a chance to visit with him yesterday. A nice chat in the Idaho Statesman. He had the uh, article about uh, he thinks NDSU would be a uh, ideal fit for the Mountain West Conference. And then... Uh, just reading this uh, story came out yesterday. Sam Herter had it in Hero Sports. Vision One Council yesterday some legislative proposals that would change membership requirements for FBS. The big one, uh, they introduced new legislation that would increase the fee to transition from FCS to FBS from $5,000. You would add a few more zeros. Uh, you would add three more zeros, $5 million bucks. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to draw some lines. And mm-hmm. uh, what that tells me, obviously, we've seen the influx. Not uh, influx is a strong word, but uh, we're trying to get our parameters together in uh, in leagues and uh, to guard against just an easy access jumping, you know, from this level to that. And we're going to make that just a little bit more serious let's put it that way that's quite the increase uh my oh, gosh and i no thought doubt. eggs were expensive <laughs> you thought the price of meat was expensive <laughs> I thought, I thought meat was so five thousand to five million yeah that doesn't that seem like to you brad whenever you see a 
something put in place that time, it usually is addressing a trend or something that's going on now and putting a, uh, you know, uh, a curb or making it a, a higher hurdle or more conviction in doing so. That, that's what that tells me, correct? I, I think so. I think they're kind of saying that they just, you know, FBS has kind of gotten too large and maybe – Maybe not. I, mean, I wouldn't put James Madison or Coastal or Georgia Southern. I, I think they're they're going to, and they've proven that they can, can compete, you know, in in level of FBS. But maybe some of those, I'll just throw Sam Houston as an example. Maybe some of those, and maybe are borderline that want to make that jump to FBS. And they're kind of saying, eh, we're kind of getting a little too big here. If we're we're if if you're going to make that jump, then you need to basically be all in, whether it be financially, facility-wise, but as, uh, especially the financial wherewithal to make it work. That's right. That's that's what I would read, too, on, on that. And, and for some schools, and, and it's not like that's wrong. Yeah, you shouldn't be able to just saturate the FBS market with, you know, a, a school that's barely getting by being the weakest link on a transition. So, you know, I, I totally understand, I guess, that that situation but you know back to north dakota state and the shift that is in the western part of the united states um so hopefully tomorrow we get a chance to hear your conversation but um you know north dakota state certainly is the first uh the finger that points uh from these these conferences and um you know i i wouldn't doubt that 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 is rumbling it's been rumblings for how long uh, Brad, the geographical mm-hmm. uh, marriage that that is North Dakota State. What is it? And this is probably the closest uh, that we can come up with that would be probably more feasible. So I'm I would I'd like to see how that that plays out in the next year or two. Well, that's a couple of the questions, and we'll uh, we'll hear from Ron tomorrow uh, some of that conversation. But that was like, is, is football only an option, or do you have to go all in? Um, and that's one thing. And the other thing as well, because he mentioned in his article, the Montana schools. Would, and would, I think you'd, yes. if, if Montana and Montana State were going to go, I think that would have to be a package deal. A deal. Do, uh, do the Bison need a dance partner in this? And I would say if it's football-wise, probably not. But if they were going to go all in, I almost think they would need somebody to, to, to go with. Yep, that's, uh, you know, take a point. You know, I'm in Cleburne, Texas right now. And if you look at the American Association, mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, Cleburne's on a little bit of an island, and it'd be nice, as, as I had the commissioner on last night, Matt Schaub is down here, and we were talking about future expansions of the American Association, and, and let's not kid ourselves, Brad, Cleburne needs a dance partner, you know, yes. they need something yep. down here, you would say that, you've taken this trip before, and uh, same thing to your point about North Dakota State, you know, if, it, if it's a Mountain West, you know, they're, I guess, on there, uh, and Fargo would be a little bit of the island on this side, yeah, that would behoove them to maybe, if it is all those schools, maybe wrestling excluded, um, the um, a dance partner. So you know, yeah, there's a lot to a lot to juggle uh, in that. But football only, I guess, go get it and develop new rivalries, and maybe Wyoming becomes your rival. You know, who knows? Yeah, it, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, you know, and the other thing too, and uh, Ron follows Boise State well. Boise State's looking for their uh, to make that next move up. You know, how long are they going to be a part of the Mountain West? I think there's a, if there's an opportunity that, that they find a window that uh, or a door that's open, they're going through it and they're gonna and they're not gonna yeah, waste any time. They're taking their blue turf and heading. In fact, I'll be at Boise State that's this year. Right. North Dakota does does play them. I'll bring you back a piece of blue turf for goodness sakes. But yeah, that's uh that's on the docket this year against Boise State. You're right, Boise State has always been perceived as that big little school you know because of their success in various sports they've been the the big uh, the bigger fish in that other group you know so yeah we'll, we'll see how that goes hey luke rusted joining us today yes. also the pete is coming up what's the i have never even asked you i know it's it's an oven here everybody knows that if you've yeah. seen national news where i'm at but uh is the weather going to be good this week for the pete it actually looks really good we got a, we got a beautiful day today 82 uh maybe could see a pop-up thunderstorm or two tomorrow perhaps there's a chance looks like a better chance in the morning but about 83 for the high 86 saturday 90 sunday and i think we you know we I don't think it's going to be a complete washout, but you might have a thunderstorm here and there. But uh, I think all in all, it looks like a pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, weather weekend. And uh, yeah, they're going to be 
between the, between the Jack and Starian and Young Field over in West Fargo and Matson, there's going to be plenty of baseball here from Friday through Sunday, which uh, which is fun. Really love it. Good, good Minnesota teams that come in, some Canadian mm-hmm. teams I think that are coming in, and Luke can can break it all down. Well, good. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm continually gonna digest the largest omelet that Texas can make. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back and chat with Garzy. Does that sound like a plan, Brad? Yep, sounds good. It's Jack Michael's show. Jack down in Cleburne, Texas. In the oven that is Cleburne, we'll visit with Garzy next on the fan board. He's the number two sideline analyst in Minnesota. You came in, you said, if you ain't first, you're last. Ricky, I was high when I said that. I mean, that doesn't make any sense at all. First, you're last. You, you can be second. He's in the Cake Eater Hall of Fame. Cake Eater. His life's never been sweeter when you're just a cake eater. Nadal and Federer wish they were this good looking. I got to tell you, that suit looked like a piece of good God wrapped up with some have mercy with a side of mm. He's the one and only Justin Gar. And we welcome him uh, to the uh, Jack Michael Show. It's always good to hear Garzy on that special Thursday. Literally the longest-running guest. He's like David Brenner on the old Johnny Carson <laughs> Show or Gary Shanley. He's the longest, most popular guest we've ever had on the show. And he joins us now from his palatial estate. Unless he's so broke from the Taylor Swift concert, he has no money to go anywhere anymore. Hello, Garzy. How you doing? Yeah, I was told I was getting paid for this now, and I need to be. Oh. Because... Yeah, um, it was. Now I didn't. Thankfully, I'm one of the chosen few that was able to get face value Taylor Swift tickets. I didn't have to pay the exorbitant amount, you know, that you saw online. Or yeah, I don't think I stimulated the economy as some of the other Swifties, but it it certainly wasn't cheap. I know that. It was uh, that that, it it was insane. I was joking with Brad and Derek the other day, guards. I said us three are maybe the only three. That didn't go. People I know, they either took their children or that, that went, and like everybody, and it was two shows. I remember Garth Brooks played Fargo. When was that, Brad? Like 96, 97, 95? Well, he did it in 93 because the Dome hadn't been open that that long, and I think he did, boy, two shows, three shows, and I want to say there was another time, maybe like 97 or 8, where I think yeah. he, he had yeah. to do a couple shows and he added a third. And I haven't seen the fervor, Garzy, for a concert around certainly around the Valley the, up until the Swift deal where she did, what, two shows? Did, did you go to the first show or did you have the, the second show? We went to the second show, and the name that you talk about, I mean, that's like the rarefied air that she's in now with people that can just come in, take over a town for multiple nights. And Minneapolis, she's just doing two. Like Chicago, she did three. I think she just added a sixth or seventh in Los Angeles. She's in Cincinnati now. Um, Garth Brooks is a good comparison because I, 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 it was late 90s. I remember being in high school, and it seemed like everybody I knew was going to Target Center for one of the four or five nights that he was here. But that's part of the reason why I wanted to go. I, I'm a Swifty. I'm not a uh, diehard. I didn't know every word to every song, like 98% of the crowd. But it's mostly because I, I didn't want to have FOMO that I wasn't there. I said, I who knows in my lifetime if anybody's ever going to do something like this again um, with the single-handedly stimulating the U.S. economy and saving American cities one by one. It's absurd. <laughs> it's just absurd what she's doing. That's Hotels right. everywhere she goes are 98% capacity. You've got these hotel managers going, we've never seen anything like this. And Minneapolis has hosted Super Bowls and Final Fours and everything in between. And you could argue that there was a story today that, I mean, economic impact-wise, you've got people coming from Fargo. You've got people coming from Iowa, Wisconsin probably further Canada. We had some Canadians down here cause he's not going to Canada. So it's, it was insane, man. Like it was everything that you've read about and more. Uh, I was looking at some of the hotel numbers guards. Yeah, this was good. The last weekend, the Minneapolis sent an all time record for hotel rooms occupied in a weekend. It was almost 20,000. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, that was on the 23rd, almost 10,000 occupied. So that, uh, for those that said, nobody, nobody wants to go to Minneapolis that, uh, shoot some holes in that theory. So, well, and Chicago had the exact same thing. When, when she was coming here, we were talking about those numbers just to try to get a sense of what was coming here because we haven't really seen anything like it. You know, the Super Bowl is obviously like a week-long deal. It's in the middle of February, you know, so it's a little bit different. Um, but it was uh, it was wild. And, and I'll say this, whatever price you paid, I sounded like Saul Phillips right there. There's a throwback for everybody. He always goes, I'll say this, I'll say this. Nobody left there disappointed. 
whatever price you paid, that, that was my takeaway. Is like, I get why the prices were crazy. I get why so many people were willing to pay them. But I don't think anybody left there going, and I don't think I got my money's worth. I, I think everybody there, very vast majority, felt like they got their money's worth and it was worth all the effort because it was substantial effort. Whether you got tickets on the, you know, when Ticketmaster broke and you had to sit there for four days to see if you were going to get some, or you had to wait, or you had to buy them on StubHub or Vivid Seats or whatever, I would say most people left there thinking it was worth whatever they paid. It was that, I think, good. I have a, uh, a buddy, Eric Collins, who now does play-by-play for, for Charlotte in the NBA, and he used to be in the, the Northern League, and, and he took his uh, family this couple about a month ago or so. She must have been playing in Atlanta because he drove over, he took the family over from Charlotte, and he was still, he texted me, he goes, I'm still talking about it, still the greatest show. Now, it's odd, Gargi, that you went alone, but still, that's uh... a... <laughs> I could only afford one ticket. I could only, you could only know, afford one. I, I, I keep doing these weekly radio spots for free. I can only afford one ticket. You know, if I was one of the high-priced guys, um, I could maybe do more. Yeah, well, what's funny was my wife was, like, semi-interested, and... When I told her I had the opportunity to buy these tickets at face value and it was going to be, like, ridiculously easy, she was like, I don't know, maybe we should hold off. And I said, well, here's what's happening. I'm going to go. I'm buying them. If you'd like to join me, that'd be great. Nice date night away from the kids. Listen to the little T-Swift. But I'll have no problem finding a plus one if you decide you want to bail. So um, we, uh, she, she, she was a good sport and went along. She likes her. She's not religious about her. And, um, but she, we ended up going, and it was a good time. We will uh, we'll, we'll move on in a second, but my last thing on the concert, because it's something Gardzi said early on uh, about the team, or any concert you've gone to that's vastly popular where uh, the tunes are primarily known word for word uh, verbatim of almost every song. And this could happen with the Eagles or, you know, Springsteen or what have you. You get into these venues, Gardzi, where there's thousands of people, and what what's happening is that uh, – You've come there to, to maybe see T-Swift or, or Springsteen or the Eagles or whatever sing, but yet everybody sings the song, and what yeah. you end up doing is is listening to your neighbor basically sing Taylor Swift songs. Is that correct? Yes, and that was a concern. The one difference, I think, is Taylor never does the trick that a lot of performers do where they just hold the mic out to the crowd, you know, and make the, and then they don't sing. Taylor sings every word right there with you. She's got the microphone. She's got the speakers. So you never felt like, even though there were 60,000 people there, you could always hear Taylor, even if you could hear the people next to you. And it was crazy, though. There was a 10-15 you know, minute stretch where I had no interest in the album, no interest in the song, and towards the end, so at like the 245 mark for how long she was out there. And But everybody else, I mean, she wasn't just playing the hits. She was playing you know, deeper cuts songs that she hadn't played in a really long time and i've never that's what i've never seen like she may have lost like the the somewhat casuals like me which was like six percent of the crowd but for three plus hours she had 95 percent of the audience with her every single step of the way and that's why i think it, that's what separates it from any concert that i've been to is everybody you see even when i saw counting crows which is like my taylor swift i love those guys at the state fair like they lost me for a couple songs at the state fair last august but with Taylor, like her hardcores, the real true Swifties, like she lost none of them for three hours. And that was what was to me most impressive because walking out, I told Jenny, I said, Taylor singing for three hours is one thing. She's used to it. She's rehearsed. She's trained. And we had a lot of third grade teachers standing up and dancing for three hours. That can take it out of you, man. You know, that, that can really take it. Like I stood for three hours and I feel like I need a shower. Like the stamina the crowd had to me was almost as impressive as Taylor. The uh, the texter texter asks if we need to pass the hat for you to keep you solvent, or we need to start a GoFundMe. Or are you okay? We just need football season to start. Jack will know this. You just need the game checks yeah. to start coming in. I just need uh, <laughs> August thirty first or September first, whatever that Thursday is when the Gophers play Nebraska. I just need to invoice that as quickly as possible, and yeah, then we should what be I okay. Usually think, <laughs> what I usually think guards you is two weeks after the first football game is basically when yeah. It's, yeah it's the two, yeah, 20, two 21 day first. holding period and then first billing you'll get the check so by halloween i should be good i should be all right but i'll be I'll, if you have any if you have any gift cards up there send them my way because i might need those for the rest of the summer uh well by the way on the twins and 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 they're just just putting a 
a new light on how to strike out in a season, Garzi. I'm curious with the pulse of the people. Like, if you look at some of the coaches or heads of, of the sports teams in Minnesota, you know, where, where Rocco's standing. And I think we did the pulse of Rocco before with you a while back. And I don't want to pin it all on Rocco, but he's the right. he's the manager, so he's, he's the guy that everybody talks about. And he's obviously frustrated right now. Uh, so what is the pulse of the cities on Rocco and, and, the, and the Twins? Yeah, right now, because they, they, they can't hit, it's mostly – you know, the, the, the batting coach and what's going on here. And they, you know, they lost a batting coach a few years ago when they hit all those home runs. I think he's in Detroit now, or maybe he's in Pittsburgh with Derek. I can't remember exactly. Um, but Rocco usually only gets heat. What Rocco takes the most heat for is his decisions with the pitching staff. Um, Cause that's more directly like he's involved in that, right? Like the, the at-bats, it's like, guys, figure it out, you know? Um, 0 for 23 with runners in scoring position, it almost feels impossible. But if you've watched this Twins team all season, you know that it's not only possible, it's probable. I mean, they've just been dreadful up and down the lineup. And when, you know, Correa hasn't performed, like as he said, as Buxton hasn't performed, like that, when, you, when your two best hitters aren't hitting, that's going to make every lineup look bad and, and everything look worse than, than maybe it probably even is. You know, Correa got hot about two weeks ago for four or five games. I think they won most of those games. You know, um, everything kind of like turned around because a couple of guys got hot. But in terms of Rocco, I don't know how hot it is. It's, it's, he gets more heat when he throws Emilio Pagan into a high leverage situation, and which is all too often. And you saw it a couple of nights ago. You know, the, the, they gave up three runs in the inning that he pitched. That's happened, you know, three or four times this year. It happened five or six times last year. That's the one that's frustrating because then after he'll say, well, we didn't have a lot of guys available. You know, we had guys down and they'll be ready to go tomorrow. And that whole concept is, in my opinion, as an older school ball guy, that's a that's a, a concept of your own creating because you've decided like, oh, this guy's no good if he pitched if he threw four pitches five days ago, you know, like so that's where Rocco gets the, the heat mostly is how he handles you know the starters when they come out, when they don't, how he handles the bullpen, who's throwing and when. Um, but right now, I think everything's so bad. Like Rocco is almost getting a pass on that stuff because they just are not hitting anything. They, it's remarkable that they've had 30 plus games of scoring two runs or fewer, and it was, that's remarkable. Number one, number two, they've won five of those games. That shows you how well, how nice the pitching has been, and that's the disappointing part. The pitching has been tremendous. I heard Atterbury talking about it on the Twins minute there. Even Maeda comes back and he starts. He's pitching well, but they just can't score runs consistently, and that's why they're mired in the situation that they're in a below 500 club at the moment no question about it uh justin guard joining us and, and i uh brad and i before you came on and i know we're running out of time here we're switching brad has sat down and had a conversation uh with a gentleman that uh, wrote a paper what uh, uh, what paper is he from uh brad the uh, idaho statesman in boise and he uh, he made the um uh he kind of made the push for ndsu he thinks they should uh they should if with san diego state goes and it looks like they will uh probably headed to the pac-12 at some point he thinks ndsu is the perfect fit for the mountain west i agree i think it'd be awesome i think it'd be great and mostly, here's where, where I sit on it, because uh, Bison fans travel so well, and I know they've all got timeshares in Frisco and everything that goes along with that. Um, I, people ask me, what do you think about USC and UCLA coming in? And I say, I've been to West Lafayette and Champaign enough. I don't mind mixing in Los Angeles once every couple of years, you know? And I'd say, this, you know, I, Evan, we've kind of done our thing in the Valley. I know, you know different FCS schools have made the jump in the last few years. Um, they certainly improved everything they needed to prove. I think it'd be great. I, I think they'd fit right in. And you know, the Mountain West is good is a good league, both football and basketball. And I wonder if that would have to be part of it too. I would imagine, right? Uh, they probably couldn't just stay in the summit. So uh, I would. I'd be. It's cool, man. I mean, it, just the just the, the, the Power Five football, the way that it's heading. I think that's the. I think that's where you want to be. So I would endorse that. I think that'd be an and it'd be yeah. a nice fit geographically. I, I I do think that would be a really nice fit. I think that is. And then, then Brad had dropped out uh, the latest uh, things being talked about NCAA uh, from policy standpoint is the, uh, you know, FCS schools that are planning or making the move to FBS. And, Brad, that's an amazing – tell Garzi that stat you put on from the percentage increase in, uh, in, in, in not fine, but dollars levied if you're going to make that jump. Basically, what did you the, say, 5000 Well, it's the transition fee if you're going to go from FCS to FBS. This is being bandied about at the meetings yesterday. It would go from $5,000 to $5 million. 
Yeah. I did see that within the last few days. Uh, team makers, right? That's the NDSU. That's Correct. The, uh, the, that's the, the booster room. I was hanging out in Sioux Falls after Summit League Championship all those years ago. Yes. Buckle up, right. team makers. <laughs> Answer your phone. <laughs> you get a call. <laughs> we might we might need you. Yeah, they're, they're jumping that up. I mean, it is funny to think about, like, Fargo being in the Mountain West, you know, but it makes sense. You know, uh, it makes it be a good it'd be a good fit. It'd be a good fit. I would I would recommend it. I would endorse it. You have enough trophies, and you know you could win that league too. Eventually, there's no, there's nothing that could prohibit anybody from you know from jumping in and making a splash in that league, given you know how well that program has been run for so long. Yeah, sooner rather than later. Good stuff. Well, uh, we do know that that Gargi's back. He he made it through the Swifty, and uh, he's doing just fine. He's got memories to last it ever. And thank you, Taylor Swift, for economically keeping the northern part of the United States viable with her presence and uh, good stuff. By the way, if, if you're wondering what to watch today, Garzi, uh, Black and White Tarzan of the Jungle is on one of these channels. I don't get many here in Cleburne. I've got uh, like four channels, and that's what I'm doing today. I don't know what you got. Yeah, today. if we had more time, I, next time I want you to give me the top five things to do in Cleburne this time of year. Because you know me, I like to travel. I like to get around, and I'm always, right. I always like to get a little bit of local flavor. So try to find the top five things for me to do in Cleburne if I ever find myself there. I'll get that list and text it to you uh, the minute. Uh, and I think I've done three already this morning. One was eat. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Garzy, good stuff, Garzy. Thanks, buddy. And uh, have a happy fourth, you and the family. We'll talk to you hopefully soon. Yep, same to you guys. Thanks. The great Justin Guard, you can catch him on Bumper to Bumper. Uh, Dan Barrero, weekdays uh, right here on 740 The Fan. The Pete is around the corner. The head uh, coach of uh, Fargo Post 2, the great Luke Rusted, joining us uh, next. Uh, Jack Michaels in Cleburne, Brad Anderson in the studio. It's a Thursday edition Jack Michaels show on 740 The Fan. It is a... Thursday edition of the Jack Michael Show. Jack here on the road in uh, Cleburne, Texas with the Fargo-Moorhead Red Hawks game tonight at 7.06. Brad Anderson in our 740 The Fan Studios and Luke Rusted joining us today as we talk a little Fargo Post 2 and the Pete is coming up. What an opportunity for folks in the region to get out and take in some great Legion baseball. Good afternoon, Luke. How, how's, how you doing, Luke? I'm doing great, Jack. Nice to hear from you. Yeah, great to hear your voice, my man. And and I, before we even talk about the Pete, which is obviously near and dear to your heart and mine and those around the region and, and these teams, get us up to speed, Luke, on on the the season so far. It seems like it's it's early, but you guys certainly have had a had a number of games under your belt. Yeah, uh, I think we played just about twenty two games uh, before this weekend coming up here, and uh, you know we've uh, we've done well. I mean, record wise, our record is uh, pretty good. Uh, right now, I, we've only lost two games. Uh, those two losses, uh, you know, we play. We didn't play well in one of them, and the other one, I felt like like we just didn't pitch well. So uh, there's things that this club, even though we've been winning games, has a lot to work on just to continue to grow, get better, and uh, you know, get to where we want to be at the end of the year, making sure we're playing our best baseball, and it's a constant battle, just getting everybody. Uh, working hard, growing each day, pushing them to be their best, and, and hopefully it works out where we're playing at least uh, quality baseball come the end of July. But I think, Luke, there's uh, the, the competition is out there, too. I mentioned earlier that you're going to see good baseball in the Pete, but within your region, uh, you hope to be playing your best baseball because you're probably going to need to because of some of the, the quality teams that you have to go up against, correct? Oh, definitely. I mean, just in our region alone, there's a lot of quality teams. Uh, you know, we saw them down in Omaha last week, a few of them. And then uh, just in our own league, I mean, uh, I look at our league, and I mean, you can look at the records of every team in that league from last to first. And, uh, you know, we've won, we've beat some teams, but, you know, they've been uh, tight games. They haven't been blowouts. So, you know, any anybody in our league is a pretty good team regionally as well. And then, uh, obviously, you got the teams out of the cities that we'll probably be seeing more of those at the Gopher and the few that we saw down in Omaha and Nebraska and stuff like that. There's a, there's a lot of talent around this region, and we're going to have to be playing well to be able to compete with those teams. Yeah, just in the state standings, I mean, I think uh, West Fargo, has, I mean, they've got enough pitching that uh, they, they're going to – I think they're going to be in the conversation at the end just trying to get the bats going a little bit. I know you got Minot early, and, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, statewide, I think – 
you know, you guys have kind of you guys are kind of sitting at the top, but boy, there's a lot of teams that uh, could all be separated. There's not there's a lot of uh, not a lot of difference, but maybe three through about seven or eight, or at least statewide. Yeah, if you're looking at those games and you've tracked them, I, I mean, I have. Uh, you could look down around anybody from seven on down to the last, and even the games they've lost, they've been you know three one ball games, four two ball games. So they're not games that uh, they're playing like teams in the bottom half of the league. They're competitive games. Uh, you know, same with ours where we've come out on top. Uh, I, you know, for the most part, we've had to battle to the final out just to make sure we got those W's and. Um, you know, the league is tough. And uh, West Fargo, you, you said it, you know, they have uh, what I call uh, at least three, in my opinion, elite arms. And then uh, even their guys who I might not put in the elite category are definitely uh, top-notch arms as well. So West Fargo, if anything, they, they do uh, have uh, a pitching advantage over a lot of teams when they step on the field. And if you're going to beat them, you're going to have to bring your A game that day, both defensively and offensively, just to make sure that uh, you get the W. Luke Rusthead, Fargo Post 2, joining us today on the Jack Michael Show. Before we talk about some of the competition here in the uh, the Jim Peterson Invitational, Luke, that, that Omaha trip, and I know that, that not just you guys, but area teams have an opportunity to get to Omaha, and this has become a, an annual thing for local teams. Boy, if that doesn't, with the College World Series going on and you guys playing baseball down there, if that doesn't just inject uh, enthusiasm and excitement to be a baseball player or coach. I'm not sure what does, but what is that experience like for, for the guys, uh, Luke? You know, uh, first off, you know, they love it because they get to go to the game. And uh, we got to see game one of the uh, LSU Florida series, which was a good game, 4-3. In fact, my assistant coach, you know, where we were sitting with the, the uh, kids uh, almost caught the go-ahead home run. He, uh, he needed oh. to be a little more greedy. He, uh, on the fan that was next to him, but he kind of got off balance. I think he uh, went down a couple steps afterwards, cut his knee, but it was amazing effort, and the kids were all laughing at that. Uh, and then also, uh, you know, on the field, we got to see, you know, a lot of good clubs. We played Wyzetta. We played Brooklyn, New Jersey, who, if uh, people uh, don't know who that is, they're perennial power uh, through a lot of years in Legion baseball, and we saw a really, really good pitcher on that day, and we played really well, good energy, and then uh, – Creighton Prep and Lincoln Pius teams down out of Omaha. And, uh, you know, we saw a lot of good talent. It, I just think uh, the new, when you see new teams, it kind of ups your energy level a little bit. You tend to find out where, where you're at a little bit mentally. And those tournaments can be a grind, especially when it's hot out and you're uh, in the hotel and kind of rinse and repeat each day. But uh, I definitely uh, think it helps your team, uh, you know, become a little more mentally tough. Uh, find out what it's going to take to have to play multiple days in a row because that's what you're going to need at the end of the season. Seems like you have this year's field with the Pete, uh, Luke. I, if I was giving credit to Wyzetta. I think there was one weekend, I think it was last year or year before, where they came up. I think they played you guys. They played 400. I think they played the they played the Blues and 400 at Starry and then went over to West Fargo. They did about four games in three days and uh, got, got the full Fargo-Moorhead experience. But uh, it seemed like you got uh, some teams that have been here and have been a constant of this tournament the last uh, two, three years. Yeah, Tri-City Reds coming back. And, you know, they've been here for a lot of years. They're uh, usually a pretty good program out of, out of the cities. Um, team Manitoba's back, who's a provincial team, uh, you know, getting uh, usually this, this tournament, they'll play a lot of different kids because they're still trying to finalize their roster. They get started a little later because their school runs later up in uh, in Canada, and uh, they're always tough, and they always have elite talent. And then uh, Gillette, Wyoming, Stillwater, Minnesota, those programs are usually pretty tough as well. So we're going to have uh, good talent in the Pete uh, uh, at four different sites, and, uh, you know, each of our local teams are quality baseball teams that are going to uh, probably do well in this tournament as well and give good showing. So it should be a very good weekend of baseball here in, in our area. Before we let Luke uh, get going today, you know, it's named the Jim Peterson FM Invitational. And Jim, uh, you know, no secret, uh, one of the closest friends we've had and former coach at North Dakota State and my coach. And I know that, you know, Luke, if you could speak to the to the vision of what Jim would love to see this tournament continue to be and strive to, and, and maybe not just at Jack Williams, but everywhere, this is a man that really – loved legion ball that loved big crowds that lived to sit in those stands with a smile on his face watching the guys play ball but that that's the vision here isn't it luke to see this thing 
full and fans come out and just enjoying the the summer pastime, right? Definitely. You know, Jim was a huge baseball fan, not just a Legion fan, but he was really a bigger fan of kids playing ball. Uh, you know, he uh, is uh, instrumental in growing our program, a team, with the, by adding the Jets to make sure that other kids had opportunities to play that in the past might have not been playing in our program. And uh, for Jim just to be, uh, you know, having his name on this tournament, is it's uh, just kind of uh, – poetic because of uh how, how much you just love kids playing ball and and uh you know having a weekend like this where you have people playing ball i think people need to come out and see it not only to watch good baseball but also to support jim and his memory the uh, tickets by the way and and luke correct me if i'm wrong but i think uh at the sites the gate admission i believe is only five dollars for adults and and less for like three bucks for for children i know that that's so this is an i mean you i know your job is to coach and try to try to win games and all that luke but boy if you're going to market uh a reason it's you certainly made this very affordable yeah definitely you know our our board does a great job uh you know uh, with those types of things making sure that it's affordable for families we'd love families to be out here i also think too you know or uh for baseball in our community to for kids to come out to watch legion games it's, uh, you know, for me as a kid, it was my dream. It was my dream to play at Jack Williams. It was my dream to wear the red and black. And, you know, because it was, it seemed so much more attainable at, you know, when you're younger, like, oh, God, I could get here. And then as you get here, then you get bigger dreams on moving on. So getting your kids out here who love the game and seeing kids that they might know in the community playing it and watching them, on, you know, do it uh, just kind of gives them that mindset that they can do it too. And, I really believe that that's uh, something, uh, you know, just being affordable to get out here is uh, what families should think about doing because it's only going to grow that passion within your son. Hey, how's that uh, World Series field looking at Jack, by the way? Uh, I know there's not a bad seat in the house at Jack Williams, Luke. How's the field looking? Field's looking good. I mean, uh, we've had a lot of rain last week, so that kind of spruced things up a little bit. And, you know, we've made some changes uh, a little bit in areas of the ballpark. If you haven't been down here and seen them, just with the dugouts, adding rails, stuff to kind of give it that more of a feel of being up instead of sitting down. And our bullpens have been redone. Uh, the infield was restarted over the uh, last fall, and it's taken really well. So uh field looks good. Uh, you know, uh, our uh, grounds guys doing a great job taking care of it every day and I think, uh, you know, outside of when you get a lot of games on it, you know, grass gets a little stressed, but uh, that rain last week definitely helped that. Boy, good stuff. And I know that uh, Luke is not just a coach. They help out a lot of different areas and, and his staff. Well, best of luck uh, to you guys and all the, all the teams. It should be a, a tremendous invitational. Uh, when's Post 2's first game, uh, Luke? Give us a little uh, rundown here. I believe we – well, we play Friday, and I – believe i'm terrible on times i'm always like checking them later but uh you know there's only two games or three games at our park i believe on uh friday uh three you know because we'll have uh us and two other teams here and i think we play the last two games of the night look you are correct I think on the that first one starts at 2 30 yep we see. am i right on that you are correct we got why well, and creighton prep at 2 30 and then you guys in creighton prep at five and then uh post two and why is that right after that so yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm kind of. It's always funny because the guys like, "Who are we playing?" I'm like, "Does it matter?" <laughs> we, you know, like we have to. You know, it's about it's about how we play. I, you know, I'll look into matchups and things like that if I know somebody. But other than that, I, I just make sure my spray charts are correct on who I have, and and, um, and that, and then just to give our kids a good chance. But I always think their mindset. I said, just go out and play hard. Doesn't matter that's who, a, who that's we're going make- against. That's what makes you such a good guy, such a good Luke Rusted response, because that's what Luke is all about right there, baby, getting these guys. Let's, it's about us. Let's go out and play some ball. Great stuff. Luke, always good to talk to you. Won't be the last time, my friend. Thanks for taking time out today to be on the show. You bet, Jack. Thank you for having me. Luke Rusted, head coach of Fargo, post number two. Now, that's a coach, man. That's that's a guy. When do you play? Mm, sometime in the afternoon. All I'm worried about is getting our guys ready to play and win games and, and, yep. and play. So that's that's uh, that's great stuff. Yep. Uh, if you go to Post 2 Baseball, they've got the uh, schedule there. But it looks like all the games, uh, all the sites start at 2.30 tomorrow. There'll be three games at each site at the Jack, at uh, Starian, uh, uh, Youngfield in West Fargo, and at uh, Matson Field. So 
Uh, looks like Pulse 400 will play the Southeast Twins. That's the team out of Saskatchewan. And then Dassel Cocado out of Minnesota. Uh, let's see. West Fargo has Gillette. Uh, at least tomorrow has Gillette, Wyoming, and Stillwater. And over at Madsen Field, Tri City Red out of the uh, out of the out of Minnesota, and then uh, Team Manitoba, that all that all star team he was talking about. And I remember watching that team last year. They were uh, they were over at Starian yeah. last year when I was over there. Whew, they were good. It, this is a good tournament, Brad. As you know, I mean Creighton Prep. Uh, Luke just talked about Creighton Prep when they saw it down in Omaha. But you're right, Tri City Red, Vizana, uh, Gillette team, that that Canadian team, mm-hmm. Stillwater's got a club in this. This is uh, the Jim Peterson FM Invitational. I encourage you folks uh, to get on out there, find your field. As uh, Brad just mentioned, if you go to Post Two, the number two, by the way, Post Two Baseball dot com uh, slash Fargo for for information. That'll uh, that'll get it done on that. But uh, there are such good teams. West Far, you know, Post Four Hundred. You go through this uh, good Legion ball, and, man, eat that stuff up this weekend and go take it in and, uh, you know, buy a snow cone and a hot dog and a beverage soda and <laughs> $5, whatever it is they're selling, pickle, whatever it is they're selling at that concession, kick back and take in some some baseball. So good stuff. You can go watch uh, some yeah. tonight, too. Uh, Post 400's got uh, Mandan over at Starian, too, at uh, oh, 3530. Yes. And then, yeah, West Fargo goes to Bismarck. So this is a, a couple of real good games, at least in the uh, – Statewide schedule in North Dakota. So. Yeah, I like it, too. The Red Hawks on the road. You can tune into the Red Hawks and watch some Legion baseball and everything's right with the world. Tomorrow, Corey Provis, uh, the voice of the Twins, joining us. And as we said, we'll, we'll hear more about uh, you know, what, the, what at least the talk is of, uh, of uh, North Dakota State being a viable option, perhaps, to make a move to FBS with Brad and Rod. So we'll do that coming up tomorrow. Thanks to Garzi today, Luke Rusted joining us today. Common Man is coming up around the corner, and uh, have a good rest of your Thursday. Jack Michaels from Cleburne, Red Hawks baseball tonight. Pre-game at 646, right here on 740 The Fan.